warning signs the continuation of the warning signs series um, we will be ending this series I think next weekend and but today I want us to look at a few things and if you have your Bibles let's go to Acts chapter 5 verses uh, 1 through 12 Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 12 and we will look She stole her book. They call them a certain type of givers. I don't understand why they call it end-in giving because we rip the end-ins off. And I don't think it's... <laughs> Leslie's getting ready to take notes in that just now. Acts chapter 5, five verses 1 through... It says, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also brought privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back the part of the price of the land? While it remained... Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them who heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether he sold the property and land for this much. And she said, Yes. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we appreciate all the things that you give us in our life and God most of all that you warn us that you give us these warning signs so God today I pray that you would awaken in our heart your word Lord that we would hide your word there that we wouldn't sin against you just as David declared help us to today God to know and sense the warning signs you give and help us through this message to be able to obey what you say to do in Jesus name Amen. We have covered a lot of the gauges throughout uh, our message series so far, and and last week we was on the the mile per hour gauge, and and uh, the other gauges to the right hand side we've talked about throughout the past several weeks. But this week we're going to look at the RPM gauge. The RPM gauge. That is a gauge that detects how fast the engine is running. The RPM gauge. 
So look at your neighbor and say, how many RPMs are you running? How many RPMs are you running? You see, this gauge is very uh, important, especially to people that uh, race. Uh, they are worried about the RPMs because it's not only speed that they're watching, but they're watching their engine because it will uh, give them signs about maybe something going on inside the engine. And the RPMs uh, will show whenever something begins to bind or uh, something isn't working correctly, the RPM gauge will show that. And a drag racer knows this. And Earl, he's, uh, uh, he was at, Kentucky, or at Vanceburg campus this morning. And uh, he drag races, and a few weekends ago, he went down to race his car and was uh, sitting there at the light on the track and, and had his foot on the gas and ready to go and thought he was, he'd spent all this money putting a brand-new engine in his car. And he sits there at the light, and when the light turns to green to let him go, he puts it on the floor and takes off down the track, and the RPMs start losing as he goes. As those RPMs start failing, it was a sign to him that there was something inside of his engine fouling up. It was messing up. The bearings were slipping and, and causing friction to happen and slowing him down. And he didn't even get the run because he was really only at partially 60% of what the car was capable of doing. So these RPMs are important to us, and we should have a reading about how our lives are going. So as we look at this story about Ananias and Sapphira that uh, sometimes in the church, and if you would read back through Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 4, you'll see that there was, there was a, a momentum behind the church, that there was a, 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 a great uh, wind at their back, per se, that they were heading forward and great things were happening and, and all the way through Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 that just uh, God was on the move in Jerusalem. And this is where this story takes place. And people get revved up whenever revival hits a church or when people, maybe somebody new will come in and, and get saved and, 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 and uh, give their life to God. It causes a family to take notice. And the notice family will start looking and say, well, if, if God is working in them, maybe he can work in me. And we've seen that throughout Bethesda's history that there will be people come and by one person giving their life to God will cause a family to come behind them. And that's a good thing. And there's this, it's this rev that's happening. It's the RPMs that's going. It's the movement of God. And as all these movements are happening, people outside the church begin to look at the church and, and see that movement is happening. And sometimes people come in and pretend to be part of that movement, pretend that God is moving in their life. Amen? Because they see the forward movement of God in somebody else's life, it's really a story of jealousy. It's a story of envy. It's a story of where that were, there was comparing their lives with somebody else, Ananias and Sapphira. So if you would read through and then you would see in the end of Acts chapter 4 that, that it was talking about in Acts chapter 4 that people would lay, go and sell property and lay the, the, the money at the feet of the apostles and apostles and it says that everybody had all things in common. There was no poor people in the church because everybody was taking care of everybody else. And it's not about that that's a requirement of God. And there's been people before that says that, you know, that you ought to sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor and be poor yourself. And some people think poverty is a sign of godliness. Amen? 
I've heard that preached before, but that's not of God. If you take a scripture out of context and make it say what you want it to say and not look at it for what God was doing, you're going to misunderstand what he's trying to say. Not everybody has to sell your house. Not everybody has to sell your property. Not everybody has to give up on everything you have. But we should help others. Amen? And the thing is, Ananias and Sapphira, they were jealous because they wanted to do the same thing other people was doing. They wanted to give an offering the way the other people was giving offerings. So they go and sell this extra piece of property that they have, and they bring it, but they conspire against with each other against what they was going to do, and they only actually gave half of it. So the true basis of this story is not that they just gave half, it's a story of where that when they came, if they would have said together and went up to Peter and said, Look, Peter, we sold property out here, and we feel like that we're to give a half of it to help better the church and everybody have all things in common, that there will be bread to break for the body of Christ. It would have been perfectly fine. They would have not died that day because they would have been truthful. The Bible says all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Look at your neighbor and say, have you lied lately? Have you lied lately? Is there any deception in anything you've said? And it's amazing to me that as this is happening, that we see that the, that the RPMs are going, and they, we could, if we had a gauge for this, that, that we would have seen that maybe that everybody else's RPM gauge was up to 5,000 RPM because they was going somewhere in the church. But if you looked over at Ananias and Sapphira, their RPM gauge might have been on 100. You'd have been able to know there's a problem, there's an issue. But we don't have this gauge, but we do have one thing. It's called the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit gives witness to us to let us know when things are wrong in our life. It's the best warning sign we could ever have is the Holy Spirit speaking and saying, that why don't, why don't you do this and why don't you go take care of this? And, and not everybody has the same obligation. God don't require the same thing of every person. So it's awesome getting to think that God would call some people to go around the world. And we've got missionaries all over uh, South America. There's, there's missionaries that's uh, all the way down in Argentina, and they're there building a Bible college, and, and uh, they're really working hard, and they're to tell into their, uh, uh, their ministry, really. They're getting up in years, and they're, they've been going back and forth for years and years and years, and they were some of the early missionaries from the Kentucky district. So all these missionaries go because it's a calling. They feel that God has called them to do that. But they can't go unless somebody sends them. So they go around to churches. And just like Bethesda, how many missionaries do we support today? Twenty-some different missionaries that we help support to send around the world. So some of us are called to send. Some people are called to go. And it's, it's, it's a, a calling of God. And it's kind of like the same way in our church that, that we, uh, Leslie and I, felt the call to be pastors because God's Spirit witnessed to us and he, it's like He called me to be a pastor and I felt that calling. And I was at a youth convention. I was down at, at uh, uh, Camp Crestwood with a bunch of teenagers and I took them down there as a counselor. And when I was there on that camp, during the camp experience, I was supposed to be helping teenagers and I get in the line and they're praying for people and as, as uh, during the altar calls, I stand in there, I felt the witness of God say, you're called to preach. It wasn't something I was desiring, I can assure you, because used to, I couldn't stand in front of two or three people without turning red in the face. 
I was embarrassed to death to even talk. I could not do it. And when God calls you, sometimes He calls you to do things that you don't think are possible. If you don't believe me, go back and read the story of Moses. God, I'm a stutterer. How are you going to call me to go talk to Pharaoh? I can't even talk right. And God says, I've called you. You're going. What's your calling today? What are you called to do? Do you know what that calling is? And see, Ananias and Sapphira got mixed up in this thinking they had to compare themselves to somebody else. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing and try to replicate what somebody else is doing in ministry. Not everybody can be a Dustin Albie. I, for one, can tell you I can't because I couldn't put up with hoodlums like that. Look at them over there. I mean, Lord of mercy. Have mercy on on Dustin Albie. Amen. God, give them wisdom and grace and mercy because they need it, right? So we don't need to replicate that. I don't need to try to be Pastor Dusty. I for sure don't need to get up here and pick up that guitar and try to sing and be Pastor Leslie because it would be bad. You all would run for the basement and wait for me to get done and then come back up. I can't do those things, so I'm not called to do those things. I'm called to do what I'm supposed to do. So in saying this, the RPMs is if you would get in the groove of the ministry you're supposed to be in, if you would be involved and put your hands to the plow where God says to put your hands to the plow, if, if he calls Donald and says, I want you up here on this base, and then you come up and pick up the base. If you tell Greg, come up here and get your guitar and you pick up the guitar and play, then you come up and play. If he tells you to stand at the back door and greet everybody that comes in with a big smile and say, I love you and I'm glad you're at church today to be a greeter, then go be the best greeter you can be. Amen? The church needs all aspects of these ministries to make it be what it's supposed to be today. We all can't compare with each other and say, well, my, the greeter's ministry is just as important, if not more important, than mine. Probably more important because most studies say within the first three minutes of somebody arriving at a new church, they've made up their decision whether they're coming back or not. They won't hear the sermon within the first three minutes of the service. They might not even hear a song more than the first song. So the greeter is really the person that has the responsibility to make a motion, make the mark. And it, I believe that's a calling. I said, I believe that's a calling. Have you ever have you ever been around somebody that just brought you down? I don't want anybody to look around or anything. You'll, 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 it'll cause some chaos in the church here. But, but you, if you're one of those people that, and I'm kindly negative natured, I really am. I, I catch myself all the time, and, and at work, once I'm around somebody for a long time, it's it's like all this negativity. I've always I can always see the worst side of things. Amen. Is anybody with me? Is there any negative people in the house? I just I can see the worst in everything. It could be the best day, and I'll be up there saying, "Well, this is wrong." I get tore up about stuff, and I, I always find the negative in it. So really, I don't need to be the one at the back door. Because I could probably go back there and put on a smile and try to do the right thing. And I'm not Ernie. <laughs> Ernie gets up in the morning, and by the time he comes to the Vanceburg campus, and he's standing there, hey, how are you? Hey, it's a good day, ain't it? And it's like, really? I'm barely awake enough to play the bass strings, and you're just all fired up. It's a different personality. So we need the positive People that will love you no matter what, that's who needs to be at the door. It's the gatekeeper to the church. So, and, and I love it that the youth do it. Because most people that come to church thinks that church is for old fuddy-duddies. Amen? 
I don't want this church to ever be a church that's just of the old fuddy-duddies. I've been in church services where, that, where that, you know that a 60-year-old was the youngest person there. Amen. There's nothing wrong with old people. I love old people. Amen? Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. <laughs> but youth brings some vigor into it. You know, they, bring, they bring some enthusiasm. they got life in them. And, and we can't get around like they do, Ernie. You know, when I walk down the steps, my knees hurt. Amen? It's probably because of my fat belly, but still... So we don't need to compare ourselves one with another. We just need to be in the group we're supposed to be in. So Ananias and Sapphira messed up by, by trying to compare themselves with somebody else. And, and they wanted to be pictured as being something they wasn't. So the true problem is, here I believe that they were trying to, to portray themselves or give the ideal that they was something they was not. And they done it in such a way that they even lied to God. Can I tell you something? You can't fool him. <laughs> you cannot fool God. You might fool me, and I've been fooled. <laughs> I ain't going to try the George Bush, W. Bush saying because I can't do it because I've messed it up worse than he did. Fool me once and something, fool me twice and whatever. I don't know all that. Shame on me, shame on you, something. I don't know. I need it. But there is a sense that you're able to fool people. And I've been fooled before by people. There's been people, Ernie, that I've trusted in my life that didn't end up being what I thought they was from the first perception I had of them. And it's amazing to me how that we get so involved with each other that we try to put on these fronts when it's not tr truly who we are. Ananias and Sapphira learned this lesson the hard way. And apparently it was something pretty serious to God. They died instantly. Instantly. Think about that. A lie cost them their life. What if the last time you died, or you lied, you died? That'd be scary, wouldn't it? Kind of makes you think twice about lying, I hope. <laughs> you ever been around one of those habitual liars? It's a, a person that lies just to lie and tells lies about lying because they forgot what they lied about. Then they lie some more to make up a new one to keep the story going. <laughs> we got to be careful with these things because God wants us to be revved up. He wants our RPMs to be there. He wants our engine to be moving. Your engine is your internal. So how much power do you feel like you have today? If God called on you to, to perform a ministry or do ministry out on the streets or wherever you work or maybe in your own home or, or he, he's, he's asking you uh, to do something in ministry and you don't have enough RPMs built up to get that uh, success of that happening, we might need to go back and check and say, God, if my engine's blowed up, please rebuild it. Amen? If your car quits working, you're going to take it to a garage. 
You're going to go say, Mr. Garage Repair Technician, ASE certified person, can you please look under the hood and find out why my car won't run anymore? Why is it that we walk around in life and continue walking around drained and busted and disgusted with no umph behind us and no wind at our back and it seems like we can't get anything done and we continue on the same path day after day after day? Why is it we don't go to the garage, our Heavenly Father, and say, God, please rebuild what's wrong on the inside of me? If there's bearings that's bound up, if, if the cam's wore out or if the carburetor is not getting fuel in right, what's wrong, God? Help me today. What if the warning sign is to us today that your engine's messed up, your internals is messed up? King David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes that my spirit, man, gets so polluted by the things of the world because we're just overwhelmed with information today. It's a different age and time. And, and in, the old, in, in the Bible days, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't Instagram and Snapchat and everything else they do. I don't even know all of them anymore. But we're so polluted with information that it ruins our spirit, man. And I'm telling you, when you get overwhelmed with information, it causes your RPMs where they can't go up to where they're supposed to be. Because the moments whenever, whenever you're on fire for God and doing great things for God and, and seeing God move is whenever times of great things happening in your life. You will, if you're fired up for God, you'll see family members saved. Amen? Amen? How many desires your family to come in? Amen. How many wants to see God move in your family and, and in the people in your surroundings, maybe on your job, and see God pe win people to Jesus? You're not going to do it being sluggish. We're not going to do it with bad attitudes. Amen? we got to have God to move in our life. And if we're, we're expecting Him to move and, and us not giving ourselves into that part and saying, God, here, use me, it's our own fault. So Ananias and Sapphira, they, they needed to see that there was, that, uh, there was things happening. And, and it says here in our verses as we read them that, that God caused them to fall over dead instantly from telling this lie and lying about and portraying things that they weren't to the body of Christ. When's the last time you walked into a church service and it felt like you was broken on the inside but you didn't say anything? And you didn't ask anybody in the room to pray for you. You didn't ask or let anybody know. And you don't have nobody that you have any confidence in in the church. And you have no prayer partner. You have nobody that you can call in the middle of the week when hell breaks loose in your life. And it seems like you're broke, busted, and disgusted. And you walk in the door and you put on that church face to say everything's hunky-dory. It's all just good. We're all guilty of this. Amen? We're all guilty of this. And as we do that, we're putting on a false face and saying something that we're not. The Bible tells us that, that whenever one is hurting, we're all hurting. Amen? And whenever one's rejoicing, we all should rejoice. And whenever there's somebody in the room that maybe just had great victory in their life and, and maybe God just really healed them or touched them or, or they saw God move in an area that they've been praying about forever, the church should rejoice. Or if we see somebody hurting and, and the sickness that's plagued this body of Bethesda in the past few months has been phenomenal. I, I've been overwhelmed by the, by the amount of sickness that's right here in our body. And we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for those that are sick among us. The Bible said in James, if there's any sick among you, 
Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray over them. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. I believe the scripture is true. Don't you? How many would like to see sickness eradicated from the body of Bethesda? I'd like to see Jason uh, Thayer's dad in total health. He's not here today. Jason, them's, uh, on, a, on a break, they, they took a little break to get away because they're overwhelmed, but his dad's been super sick lately. Greg's dad had surgery a few weeks ago. My mom had surgery a few weeks ago. There's multiple people in our body that has been really, really sick here lately. And we need to pray. And the elders of the church, those that are strong, that are built up, that, are, uh, that are, have some RPMs behind us, need to be encouraging them. Sister Carol lost her mother. When she hurts, we all should hurt. There's a part to grieving, and it's, it's, in, it's the way we're designed. There's a time for grieving. And we shouldn't allow her to grieve alone. I pray for you often. Every time I think of you, every time I see you posting on Facebook, and it looks like it's the same old Carol that's always been there, I know that the pain isn't gone yet. And my heart hurts with yours. And I know your neighbors that's sitting beside of you, not just neighbors in church, but neighbors in life, I know they love you dearly. And when she hurts, I hurt. When my mama's gallbladder's sore, mine's sore. God is calling us individually to do what we're called to do. And some of us are born with encouragement. Some of us are born more focused, structured than others. How many feels like a basket case? I can't keep I can't keep straight nothing. I I can write down calendars. I can have my phone remind me, and whenever it reminds me, I'll forget for it. Even I cancel out the reminder. Leslie last week had to remind me two or three times to do something, and I had it in my phone. I ain't saying. Yes, I did. Eventually, after you reminded me four times. But my mother-in-law, she sticks up sticky notes to remind Ernie of everything. There's hospital tape all over her entire house. Every cabinet's got hospital tape with little sticky notes on every door. They know when the, you won't forget anything at Karen's house. But because she's so structured that way, she prays. I'm telling you, if, if she hears that you're going through pain, I'll grant you this, that Sister Karen's praying for you on a continual basis. And she'll keep praying after you got healed. Won't she? And I'm not just bragging on her because she's my mother-in-law, but that's the way she is. And that's a calling. Amen? That's a calling. 
And I'm telling you today that God's got callings upon the church because he wants the church to be an action church. They named this book that we read from Acts. You know why it's named Acts? Because it's a book of action. It's a book where the church was actually doing stuff. They were in movement. There was RPMs. There was wind at their back. And when somebody tried to pervert that, God killed them instantly. That's just amazing to me. So as I say that, I just want us to see that there's people out there that gets all revved up when other people get revved up. But they ain't got anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to go. If you look on the dashboard, there's your RPMs. I'm running about 1,500 RPMs here and running 55-ish, 6 mile per hour. And right underneath that mile per hour, there's uh, some uh, letters there. You see those letters? What is it? A P R N. The other one we can't see because the picture wasn't very clear. And then a 321. It's an OD. And what this message is about, you could have, I could go out there and start my Tahoe. Well, it's not here at the house, but I could go start my Tahoe and get it running and push the gas to the floor. That RPM is going to go plumb to the top and it's going to say, you ever done that? Leslie would holler at me if I did. I, I don't. I'm scared of Leslie. But that RPM will go up. But that doesn't mean you're going anywhere. You can have all the RPMs you want. You can get all revved up all you want. But if you have no direction, you're not going anywhere. So what I feel like God is saying to us today through Ananias' fire, they had, they was getting revved up. They was trying to get their engine started to portray that they had the same sound of everybody else, that something was happening in their life. They were trying to be something they wasn't. And they was revving up, trying to get there, but they didn't have it in a gear. So God's going to ask us today, what gear are you in? You feel like you're going forward? Do you feel like you're just parked, that you're stuck? Do you feel like you're in neutral and you're just coasting? Some people in this room is in R and you're backing up. So God's asking us today, what gear are you in? And the reason this overdrive is on there is because in newer vehicles, somewhere in the 70s, they created this new thing to where that they could get more power to the back wheel than actually what the engine was putting out because they changed transmissions. So now they was not only getting one rotation on the motor, now they're getting like 1.1 on the drive shaft. So actually your engine, you're getting more RPMs to the wheel than you are coming out of your engine. How many would like to get more out of life than what you're putting into it? That's a gear. And that's a gear in God. And I remember the first overdrive vehicle I ever seen, Grandma Francis, 1988, went and bought a brand new truck at, what was the name of that place? Cheeps? Was that the name of it up in Portsmouth? Anybody know? I think it was Cheeps. 
It was an auto dealer up in Portsmouth. And bought a brand new GMC truck, 1988 model. And I remember the first time I was sitting down at Quincy down here. Mom had us down at Quincy, and, and they come pulling in right at Zoni's store. We were just little kids, and my grandma come through and, uh, and in this truck, and I looked, and I thought, man, that's awesome. Ever since then, I just love a, a stepside bed pickup of those body style. It's just awesome to me because she come pulling in. And that truck was not just a standard shift or did not just have one, two, and three, or one, two, and D is what they used to have. Now it had one, two, three, and OD. But because my grandpa, Papa Ben, who I'm named after, didn't understand how overdrive worked, he couldn't see. He, he was legally blind and couldn't drive. So Francis had to drive him everywhere. He would make her keep it in D because he was afraid of the OD. <laughs> he didn't understand how it worked. So they drove around and drive everywhere. If you put it in overdrive, you're getting more out of your gas. So literally, he was stuck in D because that's what he had always done, and he wouldn't let it go in OD to get more out of it. He would have got better gas mileage. And he was tighter than bark on tree. <laughs> if he would have understood that, if he would have explained it to him, he would have probably had her to drive in overdrive everywhere. But as I'm saying this, you can get more out of life than what you're putting in it if you allow God to move you. He can be the overdrive. He can be that next step in your life that you didn't even think was possible. And if you get in your gifting and your calling and you do what you're called to do, God can do great things through you. If you'll surrender to him and say, God, use me in ways that I didn't even dream was possible. Because if it would have been up to me if I would have not obeyed the voice of God whenever he called me to preach. If I'd have said, God, I get embarrassed. I, my face is going to turn red. I can't do this. I can't talk in front of people. I remember Mr. Harmon giving me a grade good enough to pass, I think, in the seventh grade, Mr. Alan Harmon, because my face was redder than little Marky's shirt. I think he just felt sorry for me. We was trying to say the Gettysburg Address. Finally, he just said, just go ahead and sit down. <laughs> you, you ain't going to make it. God can use you. Let's stand. Let's see if you'll play. How much will you allow God to do in your life? How many RPMs do you have going? Do you feel burnt out? Do you feel overwhelmed? You don't have to pretend everything's okay if it's not. God can work with honesty. And he can work in our lives if we allow him to. Don't be jealous of what God's doing in somebody else. Just seek what he's doing in you. When we stand before God someday, we ain't going to have to give account for anybody else other than ourselves. And I'm married to Leslie. I love Leslie. She's my wife. I'm not going to have to answer for Leslie. I'm going to have to answer for Ben. I'm going to have to answer for my actions. 
she's not going to have to answer for my actions. She's going to have to answer for her own actions. So how much of your time, your talent, and your treasures are you devoting to the advancement of God's kingdom? How much have you allowed God to use you in 2016? It seems like this year just began for me and it's already over. We're on the tail end of this thing. Greg's counting down how many days to Christmas. It's just, it's going to be over before you know it. He starts counting down at January 1st, but still, it's getting closer to Christmas than what it was when we started. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes with me. Is there anybody in the room that will just say, Pastor Ben, I can, I can feel that God is speaking to me and telling me that he can do more through me than what I've been doing. And he's asking me to step it up. And if I'll just be truthful with him, and I'll explain to him the rut I'm in, that I can sense right now that he's moving me on the inside and he's giving me RPMs. And he's telling me that he can do more with life, my life than I can. Is there anybody in this room that will raise their hand and say, Pastor Ben, that's me. I can sense God is telling me there's more possible. Amen. Multiple hands are put up. You can put them down. Father, I thank you for these individuals that have raised their hand. Lord, I thank you for speaking to their heart. Lord, I thank you for speaking to their spirit man. And God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would empower them. Lord, that you would encourage them. And Lord, as you're, they are sensing that you're moving in their life and they're asking, Lord, that you would just place them into overdrive and that they could get more out of life by allowing you to move, God. I pray today, Lord, that you would move in their life like never before. Lord, that you would be at work in their family, in their home. Lord, at their workplace, at their school. God, I pray that you would just overwhelm them with your goodness and that your mercy would follow them all the days of their life. And God, for so many in this room that didn't raise their hand, God, that, that, are, that are here today, and God, they're just, they're just in this mindset of God of, of not knowing, Lord, that exactly what your will is in their life. God, I pray over them right now. God, that you would give direction. Lord, that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out your vision over them. And God, that you would allow us to see, God, that there's so much more in life with you. And Lord, that we would give ourselves entirely to you that we could see you move in great ways. Lord, I pray over every family that's represented here today. Lord, there's every family represented here today has someone lost. Lord, there's people that are addicted. Lord, there's people that are broken. 
Lord, depression is taking over, and anxiety and fear is taking over some family members of people in this place. And God, your word says that you are a healer. And God, I pray that your word would accomplish that what you set it out to do. God, I pray over each and every family here, Lord, that fear would be broken. Lord, that anxiety would be broken down. Lord, give joy in the place of anxiety and fear. Lord, give them strength. Give them courage. God, I pray that addictions be broken in this place, God, that as their family members are here or present, Lord, they're thinking about somebody in their family that's out there that's addicted, that's strung out on drugs, that's in bondage, that it seems like the enemy has his grip over their life and they're, they're standing here praying right now, God, release your goodness over that family. Tear down strongholds, tear down generational curses, God. Father, I thank you for everything you're doing in this place. Don't let us be like Ananias and Sapphira. Lord, give us life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name. everybody just bow your heads just for a moment I, I want to ask you a question I'm just sensing that God is is there anybody in this place that will just raise your hand and say Pastor Ben I'm tired I'm just physically wore out I'm emotionally drained I'm just tired If you'll just slip up your hand and say, let me know. I'm, I want to I wanna pray with you. I'll be praying for you. You can put your hands down. I promise you, I will be praying for you this entire week. That the Lord will give you strength. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Hug somebody's neck before you leave. Love God in front of people this week. And love people this week. In all you do, go with Jesus.